Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, I want to read this because it ties in perfectly with the study this morning. Mega church hate pastor says transgender agenda was planned by Satan himself. Sounds pretty good so far. <clears throat> so who wrote the article? And this came on the front page of my, of my web feed. So I'm like, okay, wow, front page. Opinion by, opinion by, so it was written by LGBTQ Nation. Okay, so who is this mega church pastor? Jack Hibbs. Some of you might know Jack Hibbs. Now, I'm just reading the article. I'm not adding to it at all, just the article. Jack Hibbs, an anti-LGBTQ plus pastor who preaches at Calvary Chapel Mega Church in Chino Hills, California, said that, in quotes, Satan himself planned the transgender agenda. End quote. Hibbs then demonstrated that he doesn't understand the Bible or science very well. <laughs> okay. Hibbs, who thinks legalized same-sex marriage, in quotes, crucified God's word, end quote, has recently announced his nationwide campaign to require educators, that would be teachers, to out or to tell the parents of students who are pursuing the LGBTQ plus students to their parents. Imagine that. He said doing so needed to fight the, in quotes, demonic and dark satanic powers, end quote, in public schools that are sexualizing and mentally abusing children. Now, the story reads, trans people have been kings and queens, fought in wars, and led the fight for LGBTQ rights, thriving despite widespread social oppression. In a recent video, Hibbs said it's trans people, not Christians, who are, in quotes, making such a big deal about a transgender issue. They're the ones forcing it down people's throats, Hibbs claimed. Christians are completely fine with transgender people doing their transgenderism in their own home, but when they include our kids, that's what ignited the nation. Parents will never surrender their kids to the transgender agenda, he continued. Transgenderism is a violation of the word and will of God. It's a violation of humanity. It's a violation of science. It's a violation, if you're an evolutionist, regarding evolution, end quote. Now the article goes on to say, In reality, the Bible, often referenced to as the word of God, has verses supporting trans people. Also, many evolutionary scientists know that transgender animals exist. (laughs) So you don't want to argue, you don't want to debate, 
And that's why I'm addressing this. When people make this comment, it has to be addressed. So here's just a very simple question because God loves them. God loves 8 billion people. And if you're struggling with this or you have issues with this, we're here to meet you. We're not mocking or ridiculing. But it's kind of interesting how this administration was going to be the administration of science and they're not the administration of science. They were going to be the administration of adults. They're not the administration of the adults. They were going to be the administration of unity. They are not the unity that they said they were going to be. That's just facts. I mean, that's not partisan. That's just life. So, a simple little question you want to ask people when they make a statement like that. Okay? In reality, the Bible has verses that support trans people. So somebody says that to you. Do you have to yell and scream? Do you have to get mad? Do you have to try to drive home your point? Is all you need to ask him is a very simple question. Will you show me those scriptures? That's all you need to say. Will you show me those scriptures? And watch them backpedal. They're not in there for young people. They're not in there. God loves the world as we approach 8 billion people. That's in there. But God does not condone sin in my life or anybody else's life. And he doesn't condone, he would not condone an adulterous lifestyle in my life, nor would he condone a homosexual lifestyle or a trans lifestyle. So we want to make sure that we just stay with the basics. God loves the whole world. He's a loving God. There's no question about that, but he's a just God. And so since we have the word of God, we have no excuse. So just say, will you show me those verses, please? Hibbs went on to say it's a violation on every front. It's perverted. It is debased. It is godless. It is insanity. And it is the propping up of severe mental illness and or severe judgment of God. End quote. Trans identity is not a mental illness, the article says, according to the World Health Organization. Who? Exactly. Who? Nevertheless, he continued, transgenderism is actually a sexually perverted cult. The Christian is the only one with guts to stand up and say, hey, transgenders, you need Jesus. If you really want to transition, you need to transition over to Jesus Christ and be born again. Pretty basic. Transgenderism is an anti-God, anti-Christ plan of none other than Satan himself he included. Concluded. Now, unbeknown to Hibbs, the article continues on, there are many transgender Christians. Okay, if you're a Christian and you are participating in becoming a transgender, you need to repent because it's not in the Bible. Nor is practicing homosexuality, nor is practicing adultery. Well, we're just having an affair. No, it's called adultery nor abusing prescription drugs, nor pornography, and the list can go on and on and on. So we're not picking on a group. We're not promoting hate of a group. I need to say this every single time because people will take the CD and pick things out. He's promoting hate. No, I'm promoting love. John three sixteen. for God so loves the world. Eight billion people he loves, and his son died for every single one of them. So, But you as an individual, as we're going to see in our study today, need to take a stand because this is what they're saying about a mega pastor that we know, Calvary Chapel, that teaches the Word of God, that loves people, that loves his community, that is spending money around the world trying to bless others with the gospel and other practical needs. He's being blasted on the front page of being an anti-LGBTQ pastor. No, he's pro-God. 
That's all it is. He's pro-God. And last sentence, in fact, Anglican, Baptist, Episcopal, Evangelical, Methodist, Presbyterian, and Unitarian churches all have trans clergy members. So just because you have a member does not make it biblical. If we opened up a members group only for adulterers, that would not make it biblical, or for pornographers, or for abusing prescription drugs, or again, whatever title you want. You know, I just steal. I just, I just steal. I was just born with this idea. I just wanted to steal. It's called repent. It's not material liberation. It's called repent. It'll hit you sooner or later. You'll figure it out. Material liberation. <laughs> Jude. Let's look at Jude. <laughs> I'm going to liberate your material from you so it can be set free in my living room. (laughs) Okay. The craziness of this world. Well, Jude has been talking about that, addressing that. It's crept within the church. It's crept within the church in America and around the world. So this is not far-fetched. It is real, and it's happening in real time. And if you want to pretend it's not, so be it. But you better know Jesus because he is coming back. You're only going to die once. You're not going to get a second chance. If you don't accept Jesus, then you've rejected him. It's that simple. So be careful. Everybody has an opinion about Jesus in this room right now, even an atheist. Everyone has an opinion about Jesus. Let's start in verse 16, Jude 16. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, that they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. I wonder if we've seen that the last three years. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons. In other words, just sex, sex, sex. Or lust, lust, lust. And lust is not always about sex. It's just lusting after money, lusting after cars, lusting whatever it might be. Sensual persons who cause divisions. So these are things that we learn and that we're to look out for coming within the body of Christ. Are things causing divisions? Then we need to find out why and take care of it biblically, in love, but biblically in truth. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Holy Spirit. So now moving into our text this morning, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Two whole verses. Father, we thank you and praise you. Bless you. We thank you and praise you, Father, for your goodness, your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your word. And it's so sad to see our country doing what it's doing. It's so grieving to see people doing what they're doing. But that's called free will. And we do thank you for free will. So, Father, we pray for anyone in this room right now or viewing on TV or listening to the CD that if they do not know Jesus, we know you love them, that they would open their ears, they would open their heart, they would open their mind to that love, that they would acknowledge, as most of us have done, maybe last week or 40, 50 years ago, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we accepted Jesus as our Savior. Lord God, your, your word says you take no delight in the destruction of the wicked. 
And your word also says that your long suffering willing none to perish. That word perish there, eternal separation from God. So, Father, we pray for souls. And then, Lord, we bring it home to ourselves personally, as we're going to learn very practical insights this morning. Where is our heart at? Where is my heart at? For, Lord, your word says that my heart is desperately wicked. But, Lord, I thank you and praise you that your Holy Spirit keeps that desperately wicked heart in check as I surrender to your Holy Spirit, as we surrender to your Holy Spirit. So, Father, even this morning as we go over these verses, help us to surrender. These are hard verses. These are offending verses. Yet they're loving verses. They encourage us and exhort us to do the right thing, even in these last days. So I pray for the gift of teaching and that hearts will be open to worship you through your word as we did through song and through the offering. They would worship you now through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, after warning the believers about the few, the few believers that had come within the church to destroy the work of the Lord, Jude is going to wrap up this short yet powerful letter with an exhortation. Because as we've studied about five weeks ago when we first started this letter, this was his original intent of his letter. So he's going from warning about the disobedient unbelievers coming into the church now he's going, to address the, he's going to address the believers. Let's look at verse 20. But you, but you. Here's the transition, but you. So we're done with that conversation. Now let's focus on your heart. And so that's what we're going to do this morning because I only have about 35 minutes to disciple. And the Bible says my role as a pastor is to teach you, disciple you for the work of the ministry. Because the work of the ministry can take place anywhere, at any time. So that's my main role. My main role is not to give you a fancy story, give you a bunch of jokes, pat you on the head and send you home thinking, everything's fine when it's not. In my life, nor in your life. And so Jude, what does Jude encourage the believers to do in verse 20? Build themselves up in the faith. But you, beloved, building yourselves up, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Notice he says, in the faith. Not your faith. Somehow people get this idea that they have faith. No, God gave you the faith that you had, what little that was. He gives every single person a measure of faith. And when you receive Jesus as your Savior, that was God showing you grace and mercy. You accepted that. You accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now, we need to focus on the faith. The faith, which is a part of my faith, growing in my faith, but we want to remember it's the faith. It's not the church's belief system of what faith looks like. I was born and raised in a church where faith was a stand-up, sit-down, fight, 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 do certain sacraments, and if you do enough good deeds, and if you pray long and hard enough, and if you give enough money, maybe God will love you, but you're going to have to go to purgatory first which is hell light, kind of like Phoenix in July, but even worse than that. And that was the faith. No, it's not. That is not the faith at all. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And definitely not your feelings about the faith. And that's where we find ourselves right now in this country. That's what I just read. Well, we feel. Well, I'm glad you feel that way, but that doesn't make it true. 
We have to go back to the truth, the biblical truth and the scientific truth. Verse 4, why? Because we're to contend earnestly for the faith. You're not contending for your faith, for the faith. Very, very important. I might be confusing you. Hopefully, I'll be able to clarify it. Which should bring a person, uh, bring a question into a person's mind. It did for me. And my question would be, well, how could we, or how could I, or how should we build ourselves up in the faith? Now, again, this is not for salvation. Because I know there's young believers in here, or there's immature believers. And that's not a put down. That's just reality. Where you think you're losing your salvation, you gain your salvation, you lose your salvation, you gain your salvation. You can't do that. You're either saved or you're not. So if you're saved, get it off the table and let's address maturity. Let's address maturity. How could we or should we build ourselves up in the faith? And the first verse that comes into my mind is Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As I hear the word of God, I come to understand what the faith is all about which will then grow my faith. But my faith does not change the faith. In other words, I don't change the Bible because my faith says it's okay to live together outside of marriage because we're married in God's eyes. You're not married in anybody's eyes. So it's not about your feelings. Very, very important to make sure we understand that. When we read about the saints of old and how God empowered them to do his work, it builds our faith. It reminds us that we're not alone, that the world hated Jesus first. I have a close pastor friend, just met with him this week for some fellowship. He took a stand about two or three months ago. And when he took that stand, it caused such a ruckus. All the major networks wanted to come out and interview him. Hannity even got a hold of him and wanted to interview him. And as a lawyer, and more importantly, the word of God gave him this counsel. Don't do one interview. Don't do one interview. But this is local, okay? Because a lot of times when we think of things, we think of things, well, you know, that's, that's over in the UK or that's over in Europe. It doesn't happen here in America. Within days of that news making it, he had over two over 2,000 email death threats. And that's local here. Now, you might think, well, that's no big deal. I get them all the time. Do you really? I mean, I don't. Over 2,000 within a short span of time? Death threats? You know, if, if only one of those is true or real, or you got one nut out there that wants to do that, that's enough to give you a little bit of concern. So you have to know what you teach and preach may cost you. You have to know that what you preach or teach or put on your social media, it might cost you. And if you don't think that's true, you haven't been watching anything the last three years. But this is the gospel that we're talking about. And they crucified Jesus. Did they crucify Jesus because they loved him? Jesus even told his disciples, don't worry, they're going to hate you. Don't worry about it. They hated me first. Oh, and guys, that really does make a big difference. When you make sure that's in your mindset, where you just go, eh, they hated Jesus. What's the big deal? How about some other verses? Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Because that's what was shared during the baptism. At the end of the day, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? You actually die. Wow, what a bummer. You get to go to heaven. 
Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man or woman. So again, how can I build my faith? By being in the word of God. Very practical, very applicable. Not jumping through hoops for your salvation, but just wanting to grow up to be that man or woman that God wants you to be. You're not going to get it any other way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I see a digression there. Not a progression, but actually a digression. Notice, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the godly. So here's a man that's walking. He's just walking along, and somebody says, Hey, you know what? It's okay to have sex outside of marriage. It's not a big deal. I mean, look at all the Christians that are doing it. And if you don't think this is true, when they did the census, the latest census in 2020, highest numbers ever of people living together, including Christians, outside of marriage. Hmm. So you're walking along, and then you kind of stand. You go, well, you know, I'm not so sure that that's true. And all of a sudden, you strike up a conversation with this ungodly person. And then after you start thinking, well, you know what you're saying there isn't, yeah, that's not that bad. I, I I can feel good about that. Then you end up sitting down and partaking and having fellowship with this individual. The digression. But, verse 2, here's for you and I this morning. How do we grow in the faith? And how do we build our faith? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, the Bible, the Word of God. That the LGBT community plus was mocking when I read. They're mocking, guys. The word of God. When they say there's verses that support trans, that's called mocking the word of God. That should bother you a little bit. If it doesn't, okay. But that should bother you a little bit. Not as far as hate or any of that nonsense, but speaking the truth in love. Saying, oh, no, 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 show me. Show me where those verses are. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. So young people, do you want to grow your faith? What are you investing in? What are you investing in? Are you reading your Bible on a regular basis? Well, no, I I don't have time. Really, are you on your phone for an hour or two hours or three hours doing all the things you're doing? You don't have time because you're on your phone. Turn your phone off and get a paper Bible and read your Bible. And that's not just for young people. You older saints, I'm a fruit inspector. I find it very interesting when somebody comes over and, they're, and I hardly ever see them and they're on their phone answering their phone or answering tweets or looking at Facebook. I'm just kind of like, did you really want to come over here? Really? Because my phone's in the kitchen on vibrate. I don't have it on my hip. You might want to really evaluate where your life is at, young people as well as older saints. Let's look at Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17. So how should I grow in my faith, or how can I grow in my faith? By being in the Word of God. Now, this isn't being a monk, none of that nonsense. I've got plenty to do around here. I'm not in my office with my head and my nose in my Bible 12 hours a day. See if you can keep up with me someday. You'll find out. Deuteronomy 17, 18. Also it shall be when he sits. Now, this is before, hundreds of years before, Israel had a king. And God knew that this was going to take place. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible is taking place in America today. And has been taking place for decades. It's an easy verse to find. It's the last verse in the book of Judges. You find Judges, go to the last verse in the book of Judges and you'll read this. There was no king in Israel. 
And every man did what was right in his own eyes. Hmm. We need a king? How about God? Isn't God good enough? Do we need a president to tell us what to do? Do we need the Supreme Court to tell us what to do? Do we need all these judges, whatever, whatever the background they have, Republican, Democrat, whatever, Marxist, do they need to tell us what to do? As a Bible-believing Christian, we should know what to do because we read our Bibles. And we go, you know what? Thou shalt not murder. I got that one down. Good. How about some of the other ones? Thou shalt not covet. You look at somebody else's things and go, boy, I want that. I want that. I wish I had that. Man, it should be mine. Why do they get to have it? Okay, keep working. Also should be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. Not read. Now, guys, this is the first five books of your Bible, the Torah, the Pentateuch. The king was supposed to write it out from the ones that the Levites had in front of them. Word by word, letter by letter, writing it out. Every, could you, I can't even imagine doing that myself. I could type it out. I, I'm a pretty fast typer. But writing out right now, writing out the Bible, it would take me, I don't probably two years to do that. But where would my head be at? My head would be in the Word of God. My head would be in the Word of God. That's what's being taught here. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear, holy reverence, the Lord, his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. Why? That his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren. That he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right hand or to the left hand, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Why do we see happening what we see happening to the children of America today? Because we took the Bible out of school in 62 and took prayer out in 63. Take the Ten Commandments out. And you see some states trying to put the commandments back in. That's okay, but if you're not born again, it doesn't matter. Fulfilling the Ten Commandments is not going to get you to heaven. It might make you a good citizen, but you're not getting to heaven. There's no works that you can do to get to heaven. So reading the word on a daily basis is key to building up my faith. I'm just giving you a personal example. I do a Bible study. I do my devotions every day. I'm not bragging. I'm trying to be an example to you all. I do my devotions every single day. Not for you. For me. Because I know my heart. Yet, I really don't know my heart. Because sometimes I say things or things, and I'm just going, oh, my goodness. Okay, God, forgive me. You're no different than me, and I'm no different than you. So, How about something else? Being in regular church attendance is another vital aspect of building up my faith. Psalm 84.10 says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. How can we make that applicable to today? And I won't look at anybody. I won't look around because I know what sometimes people think. What are you investing your time in? Are you viewing pornography? And females have caught up to males in viewing pornography, in purchasing pornography. Because all the gals are right now looking and thinking about their husbands or guys and you dirty. Ladies, you've, you've, you've caught, the, the, hum, the ladies of the human race have caught up. That's statistically fact. So this is a very serious issue. So that would be dwelling in the tents of wickedness. No, I'm not going to do that. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper. In, the, in other words, I'd rather be with God. I'd rather be with God's people than doing that. That's pers- that, that you, have, you and I have to make that personal decision. How about Luke 4.16? So when Jesus had come to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, so this is Jesus, and we know he started his public ministry around 30 years of age. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So he didn't turn 30, got baptized by John the Baptist, and said, well, you know what, I think I need to start going to the synagogue. No, his parents took him to the synagogue, and as a young man, he was in the synagogue. Even as a younger man at the age of 12, when they went to Jerusalem, he was in the temple, asking questions and answering questions. He was involved. He was involved. Very, very important. He went up into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood to read. Now, most of you are here on a regular basis as far as Sunday mornings go. But what about the rest of the week? And again, this is not guilt or condemnation nonsense. This is mentoring. This is maturing. So grow past that. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 says this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That in order to, the King James Version says provoke. Provoke? So when I read that, I go, provoke? You want me to provoke somebody? Well, when you look up that word provoke, it means to irritate. To irritate. Right now, what I'm already teaching is irritating some of you very much. But you want to read the rest of the verse. Irritate unto love and good works. Not just irritate you to irritate you. Irritate you to grow up to be more like Jesus. Irritate me to grow up to be more like Jesus. This goes both ways. Well, we need to be around each other. That means maybe a ladies' Bible study on a regular basis, a, a men's Bible study on a regular basis, maybe Wednesday night, maybe a home fellowship, maybe inviting somebody over to our house, another couple, or if you're single, saying, hey, let's get together and, and barbecue. And, you know, let's open up the Bible a little bit. And encouraging one another on a regular basis, not just punching the clock on Sunday morning. Guys, we're in desperate days, and if you believe that, are you doing something about that? Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You see, as the day of the Lord draws near, we are going to need each other more and more to survive what is coming upon this world. And you might think, well, you're just way out there. (laughs) First century Christians. We're first century Jews. The Jews had the word of God. They didn't go to the Gentiles yet. And in those early years, if you were a Jewish baker and you received Jesus as your Savior, you were cut off from the synagogue, you were cut off from the temple, and no other religious Jew would fellowship with you, have anything to do with you. They would shun you. They would spit upon you if they could. Do you think they needed fellowship or did they say, well, you know, I'll be all right for a few weeks or a few months? No, they need to be around like-minded believers to know that, did I make the right decision? Was accepting Jesus really the right decision? Was putting a Bible verse on my social media really the right decision? And so we come together and say, yes, you did it in love. You weren't harassing anybody, you weren't harming anybody, you just did it in love. That's what's happening today and people are losing their jobs over it. So if you don't think we need each other more and more and more, I don't know where you're at. You're just, you're just a secret Christian cruising through life. I don't think most within the church fully grasp that idea, but we should be able to see what's happening in our culture and realize that this is a drastic change. Just the last five to ten years, guys, let alone the last two and a half years. 
drastic change has only happened in the last few years. And if this current depravity could happen that fast, if your head's not spinning as an adult, because you know what I'm talking about, if your head is not spinning, I'm not sure what you're focused on. This is depravity. Going into preschoolers and questioning, having them question their gender in preschool, a three-year-old, you better know what's going on in your preschool because that is happening. Not in every preschool. I'm not going on the extreme, but it is happening, and that's not an extreme. Could it continue down that road exponentially? Absolutely. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And if you're new to the Bible, the team puts slides up. I encourage you to read your Bible, your paper Bible, so when they turn your phone off, well, that'll never happen. Yeah, okay. When they turn your phone off, you'll still have your paper Bible and you know how to use it. You see, the best way to protect ourselves from our spiritual enemy is to be around others who are excited about the Lord. Bold in their biblical understanding, not willing to compromise for the sake of approval. Is that happening in the church today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Compromising for the sake of numbers, compromising for the sake of finances, compromising because, well, I don't want my social media canceled. Hmm. Take it up with God then. Being around these type of believers will definitely build up your faith. Philippians 1, I'm going to read it on New Living Translation. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Now we're citizens here. Vote, register, vote, do that, do your research. I don't agree, I agree with all of that. But remember, first and foremost, you're not a representative, an ambassador for a certain political party. You're not an ambassador for an agenda. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that you are going to be destroyed, but that you are... This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ. Now, the American church stops right there. What a privilege. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. What a blessing. Let's blab it and grab it, confess it, possess it. Oh, I learned a new one and now I forgot it already. Oh, yeah, we went out to lunch as a staff the other day, and Pastor Darrell had a great one. He said, bark it and park it. Because we parked way far away from the restaurant. But we didn't bark it before we went there. We should have barked it, and then we would have been slot right up front and parked it. <laughs> nonsense, total nonsense. Bark it and park it. I love it. <laughs> For you have been given not only to have be the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. That's a privilege? In um, Chad, I just read it this morning, in Chad, a state in Africa. It's kind of the center, but it's more north than south of Africa. I, I forget the numbers. It was in the 20s. Uh, Muslims went in and massacred Christians. It was, I, think 27, I think it was the upper 20s. Massacred them this past week. Why? It's called faith. They trusted Jesus as their Savior. They were in the faith. 
They were not Muslims. They were not practicing is the Islamic faith. We're going to kill you for practicing the Christian faith. Are, am I getting the point across? We are, this struggle, we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of. Well, the next thing that will help us in building up of our faith is the fellowship like with mind, like-minded believers outside of the church setting is very important. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Now, this doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but with the pandemic that took place, many believers will no longer attend a church. Okay? Who are you going to trust in? Who? You're going to trust in who? You're going to trust in our government? Or are you going to trust in God? And we did the right thing. We did the distancing. If you want to wear a mask, fine. You want to get a shot, fine. No way. I'm, there's no way I'm going to do that. But if you want to do it, fine. You know, freedom. It's yours. Freedom. Be free. But exhorting one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need to gather, gather, gather. How about 1 Peter chapter 4? 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, why is this guy opening the Bible? I, I don't know. I don't have any good jokes. That's why. I got a two-week memory. And it's really weak. Matter of fact, I baptized. I didn't share this with you guys. I, did, I baptized, uh, I don't know, a month ago, uh, a husband and a wife. And I'm back there, and I like talking to people. So when did you get saved, and how long, and you've never been baptized? You have not been baptized? And I said, they said, well, no, we came to, you know, my husband was raised in a cult, and, you know, we've been, uh, and I, I don't even remember the whole story, so I'm kind of ad-libbing here. Um, but we wanted to find out the truth, and we started coming to your church, and after a service, I came up to receive Christ as my Savior. I go, wow, that's great. Yeah, she goes, and you prayed with me in December. I'm baptizing her in in April. I'm like, wow, that is so cool. A new story. I had no idea who she was. I baptized you? Yeah, you baptized me. Praise God. I mean, I prayed with you to receive Jesus. Yeah, well, now I get to baptize you. Praise God. How long that memory lasts? I have no idea, but, you know, it is what it is. 1 Peter 4. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. How can we show love for one another on a Sunday morning? I mean, most of you guys don't even like the meet and greet. I know that. Sixty <laughs> percent of you don't get out of your chair. I, I get that. But we're here for the other forty percent. So you guys got to suffer the other sixty percent. Just suffer through it. You don't want to make a friend? Don't make a friend. But have fervent. How can we show fervent love for one another if we're not getting together at fellowships and Bible studies and having people over to our houses? And, and people say, "Well, I'm too busy." Don't ever say that to me. Don't ever say that to me. At one time, uh, we were dumb enough to put our four children on four different baseball leagues, baseball teams. So dumb. We had one car at the time, a blue Chevy station wagon, the one that had the seat that, in the back that faces out back so you can make faces at people. Black vinyl with no air conditioning. That's, that's all we could afford. 77 games in 60 days. Don't ever tell me you're too busy. We still went to church on Sunday. We went to church on Wednesdays. We had people over to our house. We went over to other people's houses. I worked at Motorola 40, 50 hours a week. Don't ever tell me you're too busy. That's your warning right there. 
And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Oh, I don't like what the pastor is saying. You're already saying it in your head. This guy's crazy. <laughs> okay, but don't be hospitable then. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, every Bible-believing Christian has received a gift. Are you using your gift? I'm not convicting you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Word of God. Don't blame me. Read your Bible. We just read it. Are you using your gift? Well, I'm too busy. (laughs) Wrong, 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 wrong. Are you using your gift? Because it says ministering to one another. Right now, I'm trying to minister to you. You might not like it. You might like it. It doesn't matter to me. I've got to do what God's called me to do. So outside this place is when you all should be ministering one to another. And ministering to your neighbors and ministering to your coworkers. And if you don't have the word of God planted in you, you're going to end up hating your coworkers and hating your bosses because you didn't get the raise that you thought you deserved. That's just reality. No, you love your boss because he's going to hell and you're going to heaven. And you don't know by you planting and watering and fertilizing if someday he might receive Christ as a savior. You're there for a reason. Just keep serving the Lord. I'm not going to belabor this, but for three years I went without a raise at Motorola. It was political for three years. My reviews were fine. They had nothing against me, but for three years I went without a raise. I just served and served and served. I'm just a dumb donkey. I put my head down and I keep plowing. The fourth year came around. The supervisor, the new supervisor says, I, found, I saw what was happening to you. I saw your testimony. I saw what you did, and you are going to get a really big raise. I'm going to take care of you. And boy, did she. Yes, it was a woman. She took care of me for the next several years, over and abundantly. But you're there for a reason. Don't forget why you're there. You're an ambassador for Christ. You see, when you're fellowshipping with others outside of the church setting, you'll find yourself starting to share your testimony. Reflecting upon God's faithfulness in your life will help to build up your faith. Praying together with your spouse or praying with others will help to what? Build up your faith. Ministering to believers as well as to unbelievers will help to build up your faith. Now, with just a few things that I mentioned there about building up your faith, did you hear a common denominator? You did, and here it is. You and I need to be proactive. We need to be proactive. We're not going to build up our faith by sitting around doing nothing. We need to be responsibly involved. You see, these are just a few examples of how to build up your faith And I would encourage you this week, here's some homework. Here, I thought I was going to get through verses. I did it at the first. I'm not going to do it at the second. It was that stinking water baptism that messed it up. (laughs) (laughs) Micah! I love it. I should have held it any longer. Um, Let's see. I would encourage you this week to write down some things that you can do now, now, automatically, we're going to start thinking about, boy, I hope, I hope my mate's listening to this study, man. He's an idiot. Okay, good, good. Now that you got that out, to build up your faith in the faith. Just practical homework. You don't need to tell anybody else. You don't need to do it. But Jude is saying, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, That's being proactive. It's up to you. 
And I bet if I asked a show of hands that all of you would raise your hands. It's easy to raise a hand on a Sunday morning. Now you pray to the Holy Spirit throughout the week and say, what should I be doing? What could I be doing differently? And when the Holy Spirit encourages you to do something, just listen and obey. You don't need to report back to me. That's nonsense. Just listen and obey. And if he says nothing at all, praise God. Praise God. Don't dig. It's not a guilt trip. None of that nonsense. But I would encourage you to ask, what could I do to build up my faith in the faith? Father, I thank you and praise you for this time. It goes so fast. And I thank you for your word, that your word is very practical. It's not condemning. It's convicting. Because we need to be convicted, because we get in our own selfish ways, our own selfish modes, our own selfish moods, and we just want to do things our way. And Father, that's not the way. That's not the faith. And so, Father, I pray for all of us, myself included, what could I do or what could I continue doing to build up my faith in the faith? Because I know we all want to be like Jesus. But that takes a little responsibility, that takes a little bit of work. And that's where our flesh screams, no, 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 we're not going to do that. So, Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and that your Holy Spirit, that we surrender our lives and allow your Holy Spirit to push our flesh where it needs to be and to keep it in check, that we might do whatever you'd ask us to do, whether it's getting off social media, whether it's getting off a TV, whether it's taking a break from maybe some relationships that are not right or correct or loving, Whatever it might be, that you would guide us this week. Because we are in desperate days. There's no doubt about that. And as we take a stand, we're going to need each other more and more. So Lord, help us to make sure we know what that looks like. In our own lives first. That we might encourage someone else as well. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.